We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. All right, let's talk about growing stronger through your worship. Growing stronger through your worship. Uh, you know, it's fun to listen to little children explain things that they don't really totally understand. It's fun what they come up with. And, you know, they have some of the most insightful responses a lot of times. I was reading this deal today, and this guy said, okay, uh, we, 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 I want you to uh, take the Lord's Prayer. What does the Lord's Prayer say? And these are the quotes from some of these kids. I think they were like from like 5 to 9 or 5 to 10 years old. And so one kid said, Our Father who is in heaven, hello, what be thy name? That was his response. Another one, Our Father who in heaven, Hollywood be thy name. It's their perceptions of what they're hearing. Our Father who are in heaven, herald be thy name. Hark the herald angels, I guess. One of them said, Give us this day our jelly bread. Lead us not into creation, but deliver us from weevils. <laughs> their perception of what they're hearing. But you know, children aren't the only ones that have misconceptions about God and about things, are they? We, uh, haven't we found in the years past that we've had these misconceptions about things? You know, sometimes as adults, where challenges come in our life, they come in places that we don't expect. And uh, sometimes it's even in worship where we think we understand something, give us this day our jelly bread, God. We think we understand it when we don't. What, what is worship? What, what is worship? What is worship? When you look in the Scripture, here was the thing as I looked and studied this, it's actually hard to define by, by Scripture. Like grace, we can quote grace we can, you know, we can quote, quote scriptures about grace, but can you define the substance of things uh, hope for faith? You define grace. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. Well, there's, that's one aspect that's of grace. But to actually define it, so actually defining worship and what it is can be very hard. Look, at, there's no simple biblical definition. There's nowhere in the Bible that says worship is and gives us the definition, just like grace there's not, it's, there's not an adequate, it's because worship is encountered from Genesis to Revelation. Worship unfolds itself through the entire Scripture. You know, a lot of times you find people will have this, take Scripture out of context and have this elaborate thought process and the problem with taking it out of context. And we understand Scripture is like an onion. I mean, you can open it and there's different depths to it. But taking it out of context is not peeling the onion open. Taking it out of context is just simply taking it out of its meaning. So when you look for worship in Scripture, finding its meaning can be very difficult. So I was kind of looking through it, and, and there's many words in our English language about worship. So I was looking back in the Hebrew Bible in the Old Testament, and the first word I came across is histawah, histawah. It occurs 170 times in the Old Testament. So I thought, okay, so this one must be pretty important because it really sticks out there. It's actually the most common word used for worship in the Old Testament. It means to bow down in reference. It means to bow down in reference or show humility before God or man. 
It doesn't mean just to God. The word itself means you you bow down. For instance, there's a place in Genesis chapter 18 where three men were coming by, and it says Abram bowed low. Abraham bowed low. And where it says bowed low, it's that very word for worship that he bowed low. So we think of worship as being something that's, that's legislated to God when, in fact, worship has different meanings that give us different access. Ac- accesses on how to, to do it, what it means to perform it. Because so, we're going to talk about worship just a little bit because we want to grow. How to grow in worship, not making, not making your worship better, but how you as a Christian can grow as a result of your worship. Because there's a, different, there's a difference in growing your worship and growing in your worship or through your worship. Because we should grow through our worship. What does that mean? That means that we should become closer to God. When you become closer to God, you understand more about God. When you become closer to God, you understand more of His will and His ways. All of those things. So, uh, in Genesis 18, again, he bowed down. The Greek word, proskunio, it means like being submissive uh, or a deep respect. So we understand where the Bible says to fear God, understanding that that is a deep respect. That There again, it goes into that worship thing. We should not lightly encounter God. We should enjoy encountering God, but we should not lightly encounter God. He means for us to enjoy the relationship and the worship, but it shouldn't be something that's just done on a light, you know, whimsical type. But understand, there's a respect we should show God. There, there, there's, a, there's a deep uh, respect that he, he deserves. That word, that same word, worship literally means to kiss forwards uh, to, or to show reverence or humility. And it was something, it was, it was a concept that the Jews actually had of that day. When, the, when, when certain, for instance, like, like today when we see our grandparents you know, we, we approach them in a certain way because they're our grandparents, and we love on them in a certain way. And that's what this word, there, there were particular people, not everybody, but particular people that came by that you showed a particular reverence to. If the man of God came by, for instance, if the high priest came by, it, there was a worship, and it wasn't that they thought he was God, but they were showing reverence. Because worship has a lot of connotation to it in Scripture uh, about the action, and I, I don't want to get ahead of myself here. Uh, the other word you find, that word that we just spoke of in the New Testament, it's, it's kind of a correlation. It's found 59 times, and it's, it's a verb. And, and that's kind of the process I want to go through tonight. Worship is a verb or it's an action. It's not a mental state of mind. And there's a lot of people in churches that, that, that worship is a mental state of mind or at home, a mental state of mind, or in a group setting, a mental state of mind. But worship is an, actually a verb. It's an action verb. For instance, Revelation 4, 10 through 11, where it says, when the elders fell down and worshiped God, that was the action word. There was an action involved. The second most used word for worship in the Old Testament is abad. It's the second most used one, abad. And it means to serve so not only is worship a reverence, but another form of worship or another way of worship is serve. So what, what, let me back up here. When, you, when I say let's, on Sunday when we say let's worship the Lord, what's the connotation? What do we do? 
Sing. Raise your hands. Play the instruments. Yell. Clap your hands. Those are the processes. Jump. Those are the processes when we say worship that generally you find, and now in the church I came from, it was everybody grab your hymnal and we're going to sing page 312. That was, that's worship. And they're, but, but understand something. Worship is, is it's an, it's an active verb, but it also means to serve. So Sunday when we come here, not only do we want to do those things, but we need to serve him. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Have you ever really studied what that they that wait upon the Lord really means? Not, okay, Lord, I've been waiting a long time and I hadn't heard from you. That's not what that means. It's the same word of servitude. They that serve the Lord shall renew their strength. It's the same word. And that, that, that's, uh, that's important for us to understand because there's a lot more to worship than what we do on Sunday. The problem is the reason that we're geared to that in Sunday is because Sunday is our worship day. Monday through Saturday, we reserve that for something else. When in fact, we should be worshiping all week long. But we have a mindset in the Christian church that worship comes when we gather together. Now, we'll talk about that a little bit because that's important as to why we do that. Uh, that word abide, has, it comes from the same root word as slave or servant. Slave or servant. Uh, understand this. When you said slave or servant to the Hebrew when it was speaking of God, they, didn't, they thought that the Hebrews said there's no higher calling or privilege than to serve God as a servant or slave. That's the highest calling you could ever have is to be a servant or slave to God. It wasn't a negative connotation at all. Unlike the Greek concept of slavery is, is abasement. It's kind of where we get our slavery from, of abasing people and using them. That's the Greek. The Israelite thought of the word servant or slave as in the terms of having a relationship with a very kindly master. They, they loved their master. They had a great relationship with their master. And they served and, and they were servants to that master because this was a great thing. Not like the Greek side of it, of like, you know, it whips and, and you're going to work all day and all that. The Greek word that most commonly associates with abad is latrio, and it means to serve, uh, and it's the, one of the most commonly used words for worship in the New Testament. Most commonly used. And I'm just kind of setting the stage here for what we really want to talk about. Uh, that word is also translated as service or serve. Uh, and worship. We, we have to understand that concerning true worship, true worship is simply a yielding to God, right? It's, it's a yielding to God. That's what true worship is. Yielding to God is, is not just what we do on Sunday. Many of us come from a, a past where that was kind of the typification. As a matter of fact, when we got in the altar and people were in the altar praying with people, and they were wanting something from God, or they needed something from God, we often said to them, just yield to the Holy Ghost. You ever heard that term? We often said that in those terms, not really understanding. There's, there's a greater understanding of that. So anyway, you can't truly worship God with prideful heart. You if you're going to submit yourself, true worship is yielding to your God. It's a human yielding to God. There's, you can't yield to God with a prideful heart. It's not possible. 
because yielding to God means you've given that pride up. Uh, you can't do it with a stubborn heart. Maybe you're not proud. Maybe you're just stubborn. You can't yield to God if you're stubborn. You have to come to God in reverence and humility uh, with a bowed heart and, you know, in order to, wor- to, to worship Him. So again, understand that worship is a verb. It's an action. It's something we do. It's not just a feeling. It's something, it's an act of service. When you worship on Sunday, act of service. When, when you, when, <clears throat> one of the ways that you worship God that you don't really realize is if you see somebody in need and you perform without expectation of return to help that person in need, you have just performed a worship to God. You've just, you've just service. Oh, well, I helped that person. No, Jesus said, when you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. So some believe that it's only involved when we meet. Worship is only involved when we meet together, the body of Christ. What, what do you Worship is when we meet together and we come together and we sell, you know, we, we do what we do. And there's a lot to believe that that's what worship is all about. If that's the case, what's going to happen when they shut the churches down? Because they're going to. What's going to happen? Can, can you not worship now? Is that? No. That's ridiculous, right? We understand that worship is a lot more than us meeting together. It's important that we do meet together, but it can't, if we don't, that can't stop your worship or mine. You know, we strive to worship God daily because true worship embraces truth. We should have a worship to God daily. And that, that was my first question to myself as I was really studying this. You know, do I really worship God daily? Now, that doesn't mean to go and, because I can't play an instrument. I don't sing well. You know, I can, I can clap my hands. Is that, I can listen to the radio and sing along. Nobody hears me. Clap my hands, all that stuff. Is that, well, that's, yeah, that's a form. But you know what? More worship to God is what we do. Under, under truth. And so what is truth? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth. So interacting with him and interacting with others on his behalf. But you and I were put here, we're in the church to be saved and go to heaven. That is what most, no, we're here. God has us in the, so that we can interact with people on his behalf. When you do that, you you perform a worship. There's a service of worship that you do for God. It's a lifestyle. Worship's not something we do on Sunday. It's a lifestyle. Every day. We offer ourselves up daily, right? Living sacrifices. Those, that's worship. That's a daily thing. So God has to be our primary focus, right? Have you ever seen somebody in worship where you knew that God wasn't the primary focus? That ever you ever cross? Sure, we all have. We've been in those services, and we've we've seen you know because that happens. Uh, we have to understand this because God's worthy and wonderful. He really deserves our attention and our allegiance. Why is Pastor Don saying this? True worship. He deserves our attention. He deserves our allegiance. Why is Pastor Don saying that? Anybody? Got an idea? No, no. You sound like Janice. You know. Oh, you said that because everybody's not. No, no, no. That's not. No. He's worthy. He deserves our attention.
Yeah. What? There's, there's one other being that wants the same worship that you give God. He wants the same worship. And distraction is the biggest. If, if he can take your attention away, it's going to go somewhere else. What we don't understand and what's really crazy is that we are in constant worship 24-7, whether we realize it or not. We're going to worship something. We're going to serve something. We're going to give something our attention. It's going to happen because we're living. The only way is if you're in the grave. It's it's not going to happen because you're in the grave. So God deserves our attention. You ever been distracted in church during worship? Me too. Me too. Right. It may not be anybody in around you, in front of you. It may, it may just thought pops in your head. Isn't that just like the devil put this something that happened forty five years ago? It could not be. It could be something that's not wrong. You know this song that sounds familiar. Oh yeah, I remember that. I remember that service, and you start thinking about all that. You know, and it's not. It's just a distraction. God deserves our attention. Think about this a second and then put yourself in that place. Have you ever been the center of attention in in a gathering somewhere? It's your birthday. You're the center of attention. So what's everybody doing? They, They brought you gifts, and they all sang you happy birthday and and they had cake so you you got to cut the cake and who gets the first piece uh, dad other than the nelson home who gets the, if it's his birthday he gets right See, the whole thing about attention is you're the center. Everything that's going on is centered. Even when people are there talking with one another and not talking to you on your birthday because there's a lot of people, they're there because you're the center. The whole reason they're there is because it was your birthday. It's the same thing when we, God has, should, should be the center of everything we say and do. When we come here, whether at the grocery store, the neighborhood, family gathering, whatever. He should just be the center. You're not necessarily totally one-on-one engaged with him at a time, but you, you have you ever been in a, a place where there's been a lot of, you know, of you talking and maybe there's five or six families and you all had dinner together or whatever, and each one's, this one's having a conversation here and this one's having a conversation here and this one's having a conversation here. There's, there is always going to be a centerpiece. There's always going to be one. And God should be our centerpiece. That's what worship is about. Unfortunately, we forget about that. It's, it's unfortunate. Uh, let's put it this way. Here, here's a good way to. Let's say you take a friend to a Rangers baseball game. The stadium's packed with screaming fans, sellout, and the game is unbelievably exciting. However, your friend that you took to this game All they want to talk about is how big the stadium is, what the crowd size looks like, the uniforms. Look at they could care less about what's going on in the field. 
They want to talk about everything, but the reason you came is to watch the game. How would you feel about that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's enjoying chit-chat and refreshments and all that. could care less about the game. You see the parallels? Because a lot of times God encounters that. God encounters that in our lives. Not, and I'm not talking about just here at church. I'm just talking about our entire lives. Now, I'm talking about growing through your worship because when we get the idea and understanding that our worship is continuum and always going on, we can grow in this. Things will happen in our lives that we never noticed before. Uh, you know, Darren talking about the situation where, with Brother Foster, how you know, he, he, he could have picked these three people that he was going to consult with, and he happened to pick this. You know, that, that is not happen chance. That's not God circumstances all of that and puts you together in situations. That's all part of the worship that you're giving God. He wants that communication and that resolution between one another. The important thing is to understand, and what matters is our life is a worship. What happens in true worship to God uh, is that the body of a Christ is edified as well. Not only does God get worshipped, but you, you and I, when we worship, when we our life is a worship, there's an edification in the church. Uh, God doesn't want you to nonstop worship Him because He's a narcissist. That He He's got to have your worship. You know what? God's going to be God whether you worship Him or not. If none of us ever worship God, He's still God. He doesn't need that worship because God knows that in our worship to Him, there's an edification that happens in the body of Jesus Christ. And that's more important to God than receiving worship, the edification of the body. That's what God wants in us, to edify one another as we worship God. The problem if we don't do that, if we're not in that worship, uh, even if he's not worshipped, we're the one that loses. When we don't worship in our life, oh, well, God lost some worship from me. God doesn't lose anything. God, if he, no one, he didn't lose anything. We're the losers because God intends to edify his church in worship. He intends to edify the body in worship. Uh, that's part of what the body of Christ is designed to do. In the early church, the disciples didn't just meet together every Sunday. And as soon as service was over, they ran home, and you didn't see them again until next Sunday. If you read it, that's not what they did. If you read it in the book, they were, their worship was, you see, they understood that Sunday wasn't their worship. That was part of it, but that wasn't all of it. And in the New Testament church today, in our modern-day church today, we have to understand that there's more to worship in God than what we do here on Sunday. And if we want to grow in our worship, we do have to understand this. Because if we worship, what? let me ask you this. You feel good about your worship Sunday? I, I mean, hey, good worship service. You feel good about it? It's okay if you do. And how would you feel if you did that on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? Wouldn't it make a difference in all of our lives if we worshiped God on Wednesday or, or Friday like we worshiped Him here? On Sunday, would wouldn't it do, wouldn't it edify and build us to a wouldn't it bring us to a place? Wouldn't we? Why we're drawing closer to God? So God's going to interact. You know, God's constantly wanting to interact with us. He's waiting on us to interact. And so when we interact, God's going to take advantage of every second that we interact with Him to try to edify and bring us to a greater and higher place to become more like Him. 
That's, that's what God's about. God's not about God. God's about us. God's not about God. God's about us. That's the God we serve. The early church, they, they met together and they studied. They met together and they fellowshiped. They met together and they broke bread. They met together and they shared stories. They met together and they ate together. They did. That was, that was the true worship. They met together. They were constantly meeting together. Constantly together, together, together. That's what the body. You see, true worship encompasses every bit of our life. True worship is not a service. It's not just a day. It's not just a part of our life. True worship to God is our everyday life. And as a Christian, if we think of worship in the Old Testament, what do you think of? Tabernacle, priests? Well, the Scripture says in the New Testament that not only are we the priests of God now, we're the temple as well. We get the package. We're the temple where he's to be worshipped. We're the priests who are to worship him. And so because of that, every second of every minute of every hour of every day encompasses worship because we are the temple. We are the priests. Worship in a public assembly simply brings all true worship together in celebration. What we do here on Sunday should be our celebration worship. Not that you don't celebrate during the week, but let's be honest. We, we, can't, we don't see each other a lot of, during the week, do we? We want to, and we, maybe we get better at it, but we're not going to see each other every day. It's not going to happen. But when we do see each other, when we get together, it, our worship should be celebratory. We should be celebrating. God intends for us to celebrate together. We're recognizing God as being the center. When we do what we do here on Sunday, we're just recognizing that God is the center of our universe. Everything revolves around Him. We're connected by this common bond to God, and it's called service. When you speak about service in a church, you either think about the Sunday service or, uh uh-oh, pastor's wanting us to cut the grass or wants to paint the church. or No, service goes back to worship. That's what worship is, service. We're all individuals, right? But we're collectively one body. And we, we need, whether you like it or not, you need me. We, whether I like it or not, I need you. There's times in this church that I've come and I've needed encouragement, and several of you have come and just not even knowing what you said or did. Sometimes it's just an arm around a shoulder, and the encouragement was there. Uh, there's a strength in, in the church, in the body. There's a strength when we get together. And when I listen to you talk about stories and talk about what God's done, there's a strength in that, as well as there's a comfort knowing that, you know what? I'm not the only one going through things. Other people are, and God's answering prayers. There's a comfort in that that we get. And there's something that we don't talk about a lot. There's a courage in the church. There's a courage that when I'm listening and talking to you, it's amazing how we don't recognize the courage that's in our church. Listen, John's record, I'm going to end with this. John's record in revelation of worship is incredible. When John received the revelation, he had some verses, he had some things to say about worship. Revelation 4 and 8, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come center of my universe. That's what John was saying. He's the center of my universe. In that same chapter, verses 9 through 11, you are worthy, our Lord and our God, 
to receive glory and honor and power. You created all things, and by your, your will, they were created and have their being. You're the center of my universe. Revelation 5 and 13, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory forever and ever. Forever and ever. You realize what he's saying? We're going to be in worship and service to Jesus Christ forever and ever. It's not something we're going to do till he comes and then it stops. We're really in practice to serve God right now. We're in practice to serve Him. We're in practice to worship Him right now. And as we grow in the practice of worship, we'll grow in our walk with Him because there's going to come that day when we translate to the other side that all the practice is over. And so now we're ready to serve God. Now we're ready to serve God. We think what we're doing here, this is a practice. What he's allowing us in service and in humilities and all those things to get a grasp or a grip on what it means to worship him. You know, I had a person tell me one time, you know, if all we're going to do is stand in front of God forever and go, holy, holy, praise the Lord, holy, and we do that forever, I don't think I want to be a part of that. Well, listen, if that's what we're going to do, I want to be a part of that. If that's what we do forever, I still want to be a part of it. But listen, yeah, what's the alternative? Oh, man. But to understand, to understand something, because have you often wondered what, it's going to, what are we going to do? What are we going to do in heaven? What, what are we going to do? What's, what are some of the things we're going to do in the New Jerusalem? <laughs> huh? Besides worship. Going to have jobs. We're going to know a realm yeah. that's unbelievable. When we shall see him, we shall be like, like him, him, for we shall see him mm. as he is. We, we don't even see him yet. Right. Uh, this is, we're trying to get there. This worship, this worship, he's trying to make us understand, hey, I got something to show you that you really don't get it yet. But if in worship, you'll understand part of it because you're seeing a little bit of it now, but we'll see him as he is. You know, I've often wondered how people that just hated God are going to stand before him and bow down. How can that? Because they hate him. When they see him for who he is, they won't even. They can't even help themselves. They can't even help. They're going to worship him. They're going to bow down to him, and they won't even be able to help it. He is so who he is. What are we going to do? See him as he is. There are going to be things going on in heaven. There's little inklings that you read about in scripture. That you know, are we going to wander around the city and have turkey legs, and barbecue, and <laughs> and the little mansion? There are inklings in the Scripture. You ever ever looked out to the sky and think, I wonder what's out there? I'm ta- talking about aliens, y'all don't. Could it be that knowing Him and seeing Him who He is brings us to a whole different realm of what all that is? 
We don't, you know, we've got scientists that do their thing and try to understand the cosmos. But everything they do is theorize. theory. They theorize. They get the best information. That's what a theory is. A theory is not a guess. A theory scientifically is gathering all the best information and coming up with the general idea of what we think it is. That's the theory. But it's based on information. It's based on limited information. When we see him as he is and we're like him, there's no more limited information. Can you imagine that? God's letting us practice here to get to a place where there's nothing is limited when we get there. What are we going to be doing? Staggers the mind, doesn't it? Staggers the mind of what God. Thirteen feet. Well, there's five thousand two hundred eighty. So divide five thousand two hundred eighty divided by thirteen. Tall, cube. yeah, wide, it's about deep. As far as from here to California, so if you figure that straight up, straight over, make mm-hmm. a cube box out of it, and then start dividing it up by levels. Twelve levels, 125 feet, or, if you even or miles per level. 125 miles per level. High on each one of them, that'd be 1,400. Yeah. When you look at the cubits, Jesse, it's 125 miles per level. If you're looking at the physical aspect of it. Yeah, but if you divide it up. Divided it up on something you could move around in, yeah, and not just have that many cubic miles. It blows your mind. But the thing that I'm thinking is that everybody can't go in that city that's on Earth, can they? They can only go up on certain things. You don't know what you don't want to know what I think. (laughs) (laughs) Really don't. I'll blow. Your theology out of the world. <laughs> I, I, back at Spring Tabernacle, I did a physical, and when we look at that New Jerusalem as physical, uh, John's all new, but you know, we're, we're way, if you're looking at it as, as a physical city, you're, you're way down here. I just drew it to get an idea of what it would look like physically. But, yeah, but, but it's way, yeah, you're if not hurt, yeah. And the whole dynamic of New Jerusalem is not what... If you think of New Jerusalem as being the city, who, who in here lives in a city? I actually live in a city. It's called Alborg. Yeah. But, but, but I, don't, I don't stay in that city all day long. As a matter of fact, I'm out of the city more than I'm in the city. So if we're going to relate that, if you're going to relate that, if New Jerusalem is here, we're going to be out of the New Jerusalem more than we're going to be in it. So what are we going to be doing? <laughs> Visiting? <laughs> I hath not seen, yeah. ear hath not heard, neither hath it as it entered in the heart of man yeah. the things that he has prepared for those who love him. It is, you know. If he can do exceedingly, abundantly above all we can ask or think. I mean, I've had some just <laughs> yeah. incredible imaginations. Yeah. And he doesn't touch it. It's, it's just doesn't. so funny. It, it's mm-hmm. just like 
talking about we fall short of the glory of God. How far do we fall short? You know, yeah. probably the, I think the highest anybody has ever high jumped is a little over seven feet. Yeah. The boom's 200,000 miles. So, you know, trying to come up to that glory is like us trying to jump over the moon. Yeah. We may, may jump a little bit higher than the other people. We still fall way short. Way short. And the imagination <laughs> of what we can see, heavens, it is going to be so incredible, so incredible. Mm -hmm. We'll have no limitations. There'll be nothing we don't know. Mm -hmm. There won't be anything we can't do because we're going to be like him. Right. That's the only, that's why I kept asking this question because we have no clue, we have absolutely zero clue. I have not no nobody knows. I can't imagine what it's like to be like Jesus. Yeah. I can't. Right. I can't, you know. The only thing we know lives. about heaven is we'll be like him. Yeah. And the reason we worship here is to be like him. He, we're practicing because when we get there, imagine that you could think yourself from here to California and back. Just yeah, well, just think about this. You pray. You know, the speed of light is one hundred eighty-six thousand miles per second. But you issue a prayer, it goes way on the other side of the universe in an instant, and in, in that same split second, the answer comes back. Yeah. And that prayer is in eternity. Yes. <laughs> and if you cry a tear or two, it's going to be in the Yep, yep. So we don't, we don't have a clue. Well, but it's your uh, hair is numbered. Yeah. In the Greek, that word is cataloged. He knows how long each of them are. He knows how many are gray, how many are white. And there's 8 billion people. That's right just, right now. That's just living. That's right that's now. That's living now. Yeah, yeah. That's not, that's that's not from Adam <laughs> yeah, all the way through. That's it now. He knows their hairs. And we yeah. shall be like, like him. him. That's why wow. when, when he shall appear, there's no more need of prophecy. There's no more need of tongues. There's mm -hmm. no more need of the gift of knowledge because there'll be absolutely no limitations on our lives. You possess it all. You possess it all. Incredible. We're joint heirs. Yeah. We get his inheritance. Yeah. That's why he went to the cross, to give us his inheritance, to share his inheritance with us. It is just phenomenal. Yeah. About to break out in a worship here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. I just... I'm excited, aren't y'all? This is where we're going. It's exciting. God bless you. Thanks for coming tonight. Look forward to seeing you this weekend. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather, and you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.